Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. I want my land. You're on Showreel with Annie and we are going to look at the Australian film industry. There's quite a few Australian films going on out there at the moment. Uh, we've been covering some of them and one of them that's uh, starting tonight, I think, is, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is actually tonight. It's called uh, All For One and it's a sports film. You think, oh, why would you want to go and see a sports film? Well, actually, it's pretty uh, riveting. It's a, a film about uh, the Orc, Orcrica Green, Orica Green Australian cycling team and it's the five years of their attempt to have an effect on the European cycling scene which of course culminates in the Tour de France and uh, you don't know anything about professional cycling well this is the film to go and see it's uh, a classic actually of documentary filmmaking it's not just that it's a fascinating subject but because it's got all the uh, the highs and the lows and the spills and all the rest of it uh, that go with professional cycling, but also lots of personalities. It's a, a very well crafted uh, documentary, and it's been. I got the chance to have a chat with one of the uh, directors, Marcus Kobaldik, and uh, he's given me a couple of. Uh, uh, giveaways so that if you're interested in uh, having a, uh, going to the uh, cinema, you can ring 3CR up on, uh, well, let's see, 94198377, 94198377, you can get yourself a double pass. You can uh, leave your name and your number and I'll get back to you and we'll send it out to you in the post. As I said, it's actually a rollicking yarn, not just a uh, fascinating subject. Anyway, we'll hear from Marcus Cobbledick and uh, he'll tell us a little bit more about his background in film while we also get to learn more about this uh, fascinating documentary. So we're here with uh, Marcus Cobbledick, who is one of the directors of a film that's just coming up, which is uh, All For One. Now, you've also been involved in making animated, the animated intros to various very well-known films. Do you want to talk to that? Yes, Annie. Well, it's been, uh, I've been here at Madman for 15 years, mainly working on film marketing, so posters, trailers, and in more recent times, social content, 
But I've, I had my first opportunity to work on a feature film with uh, Mark Hartley with Not Quite Hollywood. And we did a 90-second opening title sequence, which was basically um, a mash-up of still images and footage, which we sort of um, we blended together with a, a great um, Rose Tattoo track, I think it was. And Mark was really happy with how our animation through the film sort of brought that particular story together. So I worked on his three films and also um, Save Your Legs was another one that we did the opening title sequence for. More recently, um, Month of Sundays. And, uh, and yeah, I, I think that I learnt more working with directors, not only from marketing but also on those relatively small jobs sort of gave me a good understanding of um, the, the fundamental ingredients that it takes to make a feature film. Now it's interesting because All for One is part of Mad Men's uh, putting its uh, feet in the water around film production, isn't it? Yeah. It's d- producing. This is. Can you tell us about why they decided to uh, throw their lot in with uh, All for One? Because it's a pretty fascinating film. It's a sports film. It's about uh, the Australian team taking the European cycling community by storm, basically, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's got a lot of themes in it, including sort of mateship and, and, and also themes regarding... Uh, we're, we're very lucky with when we, in our interview process that we're, we had interviewees who were willing to, to allow themselves to be vulnerable and, uh, and also share a lot of stories that aren't publicly known, and I think they were quite brave in doing that. But just rewinding back to how the film came about... The, um, I made a, a film called Fairless, which was in MIF two years ago, and that was about um, a guy who I grew up with on um, in the dairy farming community outside of Shepparton. And Steve represented Australia at the Seoul Olympics back in 1988, and he retired from cycling and made a comeback years later and, and re-established himself, even as a 50-year-old, as one of the best cyclists in the country. Um, we followed him over to Slovenia where he competed in his first World Masters Games. And Shane Bannon was was an interviewee in that film and he's also the general manager of, um, of Orica Greenedge. Uh, Shane was, was um, Steve's ex-coach when he was at the Olympics. So Shane saw the finished product uh, at, at about the t- same time as Dan Jones, the Green Edge social media content creator, was looking for a, a production company to partner with. So we were lucky to be in the right spot at the right time and Dan came to us with 4,000 hours of footage which had been shot over five years and I was, being a cycling fan, I'd had seen a lot of those backstage pass episodes that he'd put together. It was well over 400 by the time that he got came to us. So I, I was familiar with the material and with the characters. But a large part of the process was then writing because we had so much content to work with. We teamed up with uh, Veronica Gleeson here at Madman Production Company and also uh, Zachary Perez who helped us shape the script. So do- did you actually make the film out of all the work that all that footage that he'd taken? Largely, I mean, it was a combination of well, the fifty interviews that we conducted, 
uh, Dan's existing backstage pass footage, but also one of the most expensive ingredients was the the race footage from yeah. um, the broadcasters. And there's a company in France which charge roughly two and a half thousand Australian dollars per minute. So a lot of the budget went into that. But we were we were fortunate in that we had some good in moment footage, uh, including what which he must have taken. That's right. Yeah, they a lot of that came from GoPros that are set up in the car before every race and every stage, and um, that I think that mixed with some good um, interview insights, uh, and and even in some cases some uh, reactions from the commentary team who were being filmed for some of the big races, mean that we were able to create real tension and drama without having to rely too much on music or, or, or race footage. Yeah, you did too. Uh, so did Dan Jones, uh, uh, he, he's quite inventive, isn't he? Yeah, he, he's had to be very inventive on a small budget and when he was first employed with the team, Jerry Ryan, who is the, the, the team's founder, said to him, even though we're, we're essentially a pro cycling team, don't forget that we're in the entertainment industry. So what... Who said that? Uh, that was Jerry Ryan. Yeah, that's right. He, he's created a great... I mean, if you look back, he's, Jerry's got a production company in Melbourne and... I can say that's got so much clear-sightedness. Yeah, he, he's been... Um, I mean, he's been a, one of Australia's biggest manufacturers as well with Jayco Caravans. But he's um, he was determined to build this wonderful culture at the team and, and I think, Dan, what he did well was that he was able to present the riders not as athletes but as people... And a lot of um, with you'd only had to watch a few episodes, and you you felt like you knew these guys. And uh, th- there was, did they know what they'd been signed up for? Were they happy for the, to do this? I think at first, uh, Dan has often said that they weren't happy to have him there because cycling had just come out of a dark era where um, the trust between riders and journalists was was pretty low, and um, having a f- camera sort of at that first training camp. You can see it in the footage, there's tension. They, they, and, and he had to work and, and build and uh, build that trust with them. And it, Dan often says that at that first training camp we've got some really powerful footage of a crash and he, he had no trouble filming that at that point because he always knew that he, he had a, a doco in mind even at the very start. But later on with the team, he couldn't film crashes because he, they were his friends and out of respect he wouldn't, um, he wouldn't shoot them when they, when they were um, in trouble. So it, it's, it, it, was def- it was interesting to see how he, his role evolved in the team and I think his role is incredibly important because he's quite a jovial sort of guy. He's not, um, he's not someone you'd usually see in an elite sporting club or team and he, he brings riders and staff together and he's he's always got people laughing, and uh, and when you when you're laughing, you forget about how hard how hard it is that day out on the road, and and what's what's uh, what's in store for the next day. Well, you came from Shepparton, he came from Sale. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, <laughs> Dan and I have different ways of working, but we always shared the same vision. Uh, we always knew what key ingredients the film needed. We knew that we had to mix up the laughs with the with the, the, the more sombre moments and, and we knew that we had some... We had a lot of characters to choose from, so we knew that we had to get that balance right. And, I mean, some of the nice... 
personally, I like the the way that the characters evolve uh, and how they work together and their friendships. And I mean, the unlikely friendship of Matthew Heyman, who's a veteran writer, Australian veteran writer, uh, and young Esteban Chavez, the Colombian. I mean, they for various reasons they they struck up a strong f- friendship, and it's what they it's what they offer each other. United Struggle Project presents a preview of The Change, revolutionary hip-hop theatre coming at you. Showcasing artists from the project, from the West Papua Black Orchid String Band, Black Sisters, Lady Lash, Combat Wombat, Race Rage, Soma, Vocal Boogie, Viv and Robbie and a load of other amazing talent and yummy West Papuan food. $5 suggested donation, no one turned away. At The Factory in Richmond on the 2nd of September, 6pm. Hey all you mob. Get on down to the factory and be a part of the change. The Independent and Peaceful Australia Network presents War, Peace and Independence. Keep Australia out of US wars. Amidst an escalating threat of another major war breaking out, this timely conference will be held in Melbourne from the 8th to the 10th of September. The conference will address the struggle against US bases, drone warfare, peace as union business, US political and military influence and much more. For details and bookings, head to ipan.org.au or go to the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network's Facebook page, a 3CR supporter. Tune in to On Screen and find out more about what's on the big and the small screen each Saturday, 11am till 12 noon on 3CR. It's a program on film, on filmmakers and on film festivals. It's called On Screen, Mm, but it's on the radio, 3CR. I'm Tommy Murphy, screenwriter for Holding the Man. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. You are. You're listening to Annie on Showreel. And we're highlighting a documentary film that's coming out tonight called All for One. It's a, it's a cycling film. It's, a, it's all about the Australian uh, team, Orica Green Edge, that took on the European uh, cycling scene because, of course, as it says, you're nowhere unless you're at the top of the European cycling scene. It's actually quite a fascinating film uh, on a whole lot of levels. And I got a, had a chance to talk to Marcus Cobbledick, who's one of the directors. Let's proceed. What we're talking about is a documentary called All for One and it's a film about the Australian team, the Orica Green team, going to uh, Europe uh, cycling to basically climb the summit of uh, all the major events and it's over five years. So you've got... Uh, the documentary has got its basic format, which is over, it's got its fundamental, which is five years. It's going to go through five years and all the deep things that have happened to the team as it grows, and and the team development, its dynamics. But uh, it also works very very well as a classic documentary. 
Yeah, that's right. It, it's as I mentioned before, when you've got in in the sports world, it's not particularly within cycling, as I mentioned before, with the relationship between journalists and, and riders, there's that lack of trust that came out of the doping era. It, I was surprised on how candid and how relaxed they were in front of camera. And I think a lot of that is because of the, the work that Dan Jones has done with them. And I can remember the first two interviews that I conducted over at South Africa, the South African training camp. And... Swain, Swain Tuft, the Canadian, was just the most gentle, earthy, um, lovely guy who, I mean, he has a line in the film that performance will come when the rest of your life is in line. And uh, he has unconventional training techniques. He uses... Um, He's an unconventional man. Yeah, he is. And I think there's another, I think there's a doco just in, in Swaino, to be honest. I, I think... Um, uh, w- that was the first interview, and the second one was Esteban. And Esteban was retelling the well, his account of his career-ending injury. Nine out of ten doctors told him he'd never ride again, and um, he was able to sort of take us through that low point and, and reveal reveal things that no one had ever heard before and um, obviously the team took a chance on him and and he's a big part of our story but the most memorable interview I think was with Esteban's parents and um, it was I had a um, the interview set up in my hotel room in Madrid and there was a Spanish translator I was quite um, nervous and, and didn't know how this interview was going to play out but as as I started asking the questions and the and the responses came back, you could tell just in the the emotion and the and the energy in the room that they cared so much about this team and they were so appreciative of what Neil Stevens and uh, and the rest of the riders had done for their son. And I think that after that interview, we realised that we had some something so much more than just a behind-the-scenes look at a, at a cycling team. So isn't that fascinating? So you actually developed the actual construct, uh, construct the film, based on what you learnt from the people themselves. One of the most startling things, which is very much like radio documentary, if you ask me, um, Neil Stevens being able to speak Spanish. All these little gems yeah. running through the film that... Uh, work against stereotypes? Yeah, I think that's something that was nice and, and something that I, I haven't heard someone say that before, but we we always knew that was there. And I think with Neil Stevens, I mean, he's first introduced in the film as a very hard man. I mean, he's, he's um, he swears he's got a tough exterior. Um, people often talk about how abrasive he can be, but his character really does have an arc and... Um, Particularly late in the film, you realise how sensitive he is. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting to me too, is it, would it be true to say that your background, which is, has got a certain formality to it in terms of its filmmaking, and Dan Jones, which is actually self-made man type of filmmaker, it would seem to me, very working class, very direct, uh, how it's melded together to make this film into such an exciting sports film? Yeah, I think there is something in that. I mean, I, I've um, working in this, working in Madman for so long, and um, and being working essentially for a marketing team, and and having to communicate efficiently, and um, and working essentially for um, you know to to promote films. I think that that's a 
you, it makes you always think about your audience and your messaging and and I think there's there's sort of an efficiency that comes with that but I think with Dan as you said he um, yeah he, he knows he can spot a good character and he's got a great sense of story and and I think a lot of that came from his upbringing and not only that I noticed that uh, drones the use of drones so there's choices about being made about what type of footage you want that's right. I mean, it's um, we had some great opportunities to reenact some moments with the team. One of them is Esteban. The, the uh, Esteban does a fitness test with the team where they decide if his his severe nerve injuries are basically if they're bad enough to not sign him or, or to sign him. And I think that we're able to take him to, into the Dandenong Ranges and and do a shoot with drones. And I think that the the camera speed and, and those beautiful aerial shots help sort of add to the moment. We all were also able to take a drone over to South Africa and take some shots of the guys doing their um, team time trial practices. And I think when you see them in the group all lined up in symmetry, it sort of says a lot about where they are in relation to each other um, mentally and spiritually as well. It's a very compelling film, actually. It to- Not only does it tell you an awful lot about um, the sport, and I, I ride by a bike, but you know, in a very pedestrian way. So, but watching these characters negotiating their machines over what are incredibly difficult, like the cobblestones, that that just and and the the crashes, I winced every time. I have to say, it, it was quite dramatic. But you must have just been so. It's like thanking the stars for some of the happy endings. Oh, yeah. I mean, as I said before, we, when we started the writing process, I can remember being in South Africa uh, in, in our hotel room just with post-it notes all over the walls trying to make sense of this enormous amount of content. And uh, we, we, as I said, we got some help with the writing process, but we didn't have an ending. And I can remember waking up one morning and Dan Jones had sent me a text message with it was just a photo of of Matthew Heyman holding up his trophy and he said I think we've found an ending Uh, and I mean we were blessed it it was um, I think that 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 particular character um, I mean his story what I can't get over is that his story having 15 attempts at that race um, even his win wasn't enough to get the front page of the local newspapers here. It, it was probably the biggest Australian sports story of the year. And at the time, it, it really didn't get off the ground, which is, um, it says a lot about, you know, how the sport's perceived in the, in the, in the broader community. Well, it's interesting because I was brought up in a country town and there was the vestiges of the heyday of cycling. It obviously was huge at one stage and still in my youth there were signs street you know signs in the country lanes saying beware of cyclists you know with the little pictures uh, and uh, it was big 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 but it's taken a while for it to become big 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 again right yeah that's right i mean a- outside the tour of the tour de france it's it's not it's not largely known by the mainstream i think that's changing a little bit but uh, that's one of the t- the fates that the team suffer. They're, you can be successful 
at the start of the season in the Spring Classic, she can be successful at later in the year. But if you're not successful in the Tour de France, um, you're not remembered. And, uh, and that's a bit of a fate that the team have suffered in recent years as well. One of the... Uh, we should finish this up, but I'll have to say that there's, uh, the character of the team is a very strong element in this uh, documentary. And it is quite different from the European character, the team's character and the USA's character team. Well, that was one thing I noticed when I spent time with the team, that they, they take their racing seriously, but they don't take themselves seriously. And I think there's a lot of people have told us, mainly international media, that, that is, um, they think that's a part of the Australian culture. And this, this DNA, even though it's an international team, and, I mean, the Aussies really only make up probably less than... Uh, less than 50%, it's still... Um, they got the, the administration right at the start and, and, and built this great culture. But I think that when you see them, again, doing music videos and keeping it light and, and joking around the meal tables in the, in the hotels, you realise that it is special. And, uh, and I think that there's a lot to be said about, uh, in any organisation, just being able to, to focus to get the job done, but also have a bit of fun along the way and, and know how to relax at the right times. Now, it's a, it's a, um, a risk, but not big risk, to do a, theat- a cinema theatrical release. Uh, is, uh, obviously, there are other places that are going, this film's going to go to. We're releasing on 42 screens nationally, uh, Thursday the, the 24th of August, and, and we're we found out this morning that we've won the, the audience award at MIF and um, we're wrapped with that result. We kind of feel like there is... Um, we know the primary audience, uh, being the, the cycler, cyclists, will will enjoy it, but we've just been overwhelmed with the uh, the response we've got from the non-cycling uh, audience members and that's that's really pleasing because that it was what we intended all along and we just hope that, um, yeah, people can get out there and enjoy it and spread the word. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Spread the word, All For One. And if you want to go and see All For One at the beginning of its theatrical release, uh, you can give us a call on 94198377. There are some double passes to give away. We'll uh, send, you know, you can ring us up, give us your name and number, and we will then ring you up and... uh, get your address so we can send them out to you. So you don't even have to leave your household in order to get yourself organised for a great film expedition, all for one. Yeah, it's actually a very interesting uh, and quite compelling sports film. And, you know, I'm not actually a great sports film person. So I was very interested in the uh, the way it was crafted. It's a very, very stable uh, documentary. And it does teach you quite a lot about a uh, scene that you may not know very much about, I'll have to say. It's very, very interesting indeed. Uh, so uh, some other Australian films that are coming up, That oh, one that's on at the moment is Killing Ground. That's a very interesting, well-made Australian film. And uh, one that's about to hit the scenes is Ali's Wedding. Ali's Wedding is a kind of... Uh, it's also um, been made by Mad Men, but it's a, a very interesting film in terms of uh, a feature, in terms of uh, trying to break down stereotypes and... Uh, 
uh, loathing against uh, the local Muslim communities. Uh, it's based around a family and a mosque in Melbourne, and it's uh, star- it's got uh, Don Harney in it and some new uh, new people to the acting scene. Lovely uh, acting there going on, and it's also. Uh, uh, they're Iraqis who had uh, had uh, fled uh, Saddam Hussein's Iraq, and uh, it's it's very humorous and uh, it's quite diverting. But it's a uh, it's built around a love story, so uh, that's why it's called Ali's Wedding. That's also something that you might like to look out for. Anyway, coming up next is published or not. That's the end for showreel this week. Uh, we're going to end up with uh, Sweet Kiss of Death by. Kate Figo. People say she's done for Nothing but a street hole Say she had a chance but listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.